if you would turn with your Bibles with me, we'll get, get back on Jesus, and turn with me, uh, we're going to go two places, I guess just, let's just go to the first, and I'll send you later on, let's go to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Oh. Because I should go to Mark chapter 1. You'll remind me at the end to take communion, one of you ushers. Okay, and I'll do it at the end. Mark chapter 1, let's go ahead and pray over the word this morning. Father, we thank you for the ability to get together as family, Lord, and uh, just have some fun. And Lord, to spur one another on and to be real and authentic, Father. Uh, To sense your presence and your love, Lord. To read your word, to worship you. Jesus, thank you for the opportunity that you put the lonely in families. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you for your goodness to each of us individually. So, Lord, I pray, Father, over this word that you put on my heart, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would uh, just speak through me, Holy Spirit, and reveal Jesus to each individual as you desire. Lord, I know, Lord, it is uh, your sermon, your words, Father, your revelation for each one as you desire, Holy Spirit. So you have your way. Help me, Lord, not to add anything that I don't need to or to take away something that you want to say, Lord. Lord, bless your word this morning, I pray. Thank you, Jesus, for it. Give us ears to hear. Amen and amen. So we're in the book of Mark, chapter 1. And uh, just to set the stage here, Jesus has uh, been born, of course. And Mark kind of starts like after Jesus is already 30 years old and he's coming into his season of ministry where he ministers for publicly for like three and a half years before he is uh, crucified and then ascended, okay? So it starts basically with the baptism of John, then Jesus, or the baptism of Jesus, then he goes off into the desert for the 40-day temptation with the enemy. And then he comes out of the desert triumphant, and we're reading now in verse 14. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel or the good news of God and saying, and this is what he said, verse 15, the time is fulfilled. This is a kairos moment. The word time there is the word kairos. This is a kairos moment. God is intervening in this season right now. Pay attention. That's what he's saying. And the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right before you in front of your eyes. This is the kingdom. So repent and believe in the good news. Repent and believe in the good news. I like the way Jesus says this because, uh, man, you have to think about the fact that here Jesus was To everybody else in the country, he was just an average guy. Nobody knew him. Nobody, like, uh, followed. He didn't have, like, this glow about him that everybody's like, ooh, wow, 
look at him. Let's everybody Snapchat about him. And, you know, he wasn't a social media star. He wasn't well known. He was a forgotten nobody from Nazareth. In fact, what good comes out of Nazareth? Isaiah 53 says he didn't have anything about his looks that you would be attracted to him. Wow, he's a good-looking dude. It, didn't, it wasn't there. And here he comes in, and he like pops into the middle of the scene because John has been baptizing and declaring, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. John says the kingdom of God is near. It's coming, guys. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Ba be, repent and be baptized because it's coming. It's coming. You know, that's kind of the social media star everybody's talking about. What do you think John's talking about? Who's, you know, have you you've been out to see the guy with the, the camel fur and the eats, locust, locust feet are sticking out of his teeth? Have you been out to see him? It's crazy, man. All these people are out there. It's exciting things going on. What's going on? The kingdom of God is near. What does that mean? And then Jesus comes in, because John's arrested, plops down in it hard and says, the kingdom of God is now. It's here. This is the Kairos moment. Therefore, repent and believe the gospel. Talk about a disruption. You ever think about the fact that Jesus was a disruptor? He came in and rattled the status quo. The anointing of Jesus is a disruptive anointing. I thought Jesus came to bring peace. I thought Jesus makes you just feel good. And he does. Don't get me wrong. Jesus is, is brings peace. But he also brings disruption to get you out of the status quo and into the freedom of the kingdom. Can you imagine having a conversation with a cancer doctor? Hey, Doc, I, I heard you, you uh, talked to Mr. Brown today. How's Mr. Brown doing? Well, actually, Mr. Brown has, uh, has a beginning stages of terminal cancer, if, but we caught it early, so he should be fine. Oh, really? What course of action are you going to take for Mr. Brown? Well, we're not going to do anything. Well, why not? Well, I didn't want to cause him. I didn't want to upset him. So I told him everything was okay. You, you told him everything? Was, yeah, it's pretty bad. He's going to die if we don't do anything. But I told him, I, I didn't want him to lose his peace. I wanted him to be comfortable in his life in the situation he's in, because I love him. I care about him. Of course, cancer doctors don't do that, do they? In fact, cancer doctors are probably, uh, as my daughter who's a nurse say, the some of the doctors uh, lack bedside manner, and they're just blunt. I'm sorry, you're dying. You've got two days to live. Get your house in order. Well, that's a little rough there. But he tells them, Mr. Brown, we've caught it in action. You do have cancer. You're in stage one, but we can uh, get it and get it stopped before it develops into stage two, three, and four, which would be terminal uh, metastasized cancer. We can help you out, but you're going to have to make some changes. We've got medication for you. We've got treatment for you. Your life is going to have to change so that you get better. I mean, that's what doctors do, right? So Jesus is the same way. Jesus is a disruptor in the sense that he comes in and he says, okay, 
It, the time is now. I'm going to come into your life and I'm going to bring health and healing. But it means you turning and moving away from what you trusted in for health and healing before that's never worked. Repent and believe the gospel. You can't experience the good news of the gospel, and the gospel is very good news, if there isn't a turning away from where you were heading to the gospel and believing and moving toward the gospel, you can't experience the gospel. The gospel brings disruption. The good news brings disruption. Let me read a verse for you out of the book of Psalms. It's Psalms chapter 47, verse 5. Now, to give you a little bit, because I, I want you to, you can go back and read the all of 47 if you, you know, later on. But basically what 47 is, the emphasis of 47 is, the whole world belongs to God. He's the king of the whole earth. So verse 47, or chapter 47, verse 5 says, God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a shofar or a trumpet. He's going into battle. The Lord had come, has gone up with a shout, and he's going into battle. He's sounded the shofar. You know. And I... I think this is a little bit the way uh, God is. Ah, man, ah, he's so good. So this first, I just had this picture of this. And so now as, when I pray, I just this picture of this verse just sticks in my head. I just see kind of like him jumping into the scene, like in all of the authority that he has. Like you thought I, I didn't own anything. You thought I'm not, but I'm here and... Victory, you know, freedom, William Wilbur, William uh, Wallace, freedom, you know, declaring over your life or declaring over the situation, bringing the disruption that brings forth his kingdom into where you are. Man, I love it. And so I'm praying and I'm like, Lord, I'm worried about this. And I just see God going, boom, boom, I'm here and I'm going to bring my kingdom. And then I'm like, yes, Jesus, go get him, man. Woo, set him free. Deliver, heal, bring the answer. Reveal yourself, Lord. Show yourself strong. Reminds me of Isaiah 53. To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Who can see the bigness of God as he comes into the situation and blows the shafar? Woo! Or blows the trumpet. So this is what Jesus does. I will tell you, sometimes God coming into the scene and the blowing of the shofar seems to be delayed sometimes. Like with Jesus, when he comes and he's born in Bethlehem, it was kind of like God putting down his feet. Here I am, and as I've promised, I am bringing the answer. Goodwill to all men, he announces with the angels. And then it's 30 years before the trumpet is blown and Jesus comes out of the desert declaring the kingdom of God is here now. This is the Kairos moment. 
This is the moment ordained of God for the truth to be declared to you because you're primed to hear it and receive the gospel. Am I getting too excited for you guys? Woo! So Jesus, in the same way, as a disruptor, gives us administrations of grace to bring change to the status quo. Let me say that again, because I know that's a little deep. Jesus, as the disruptor, and I'll probably need to define that more for you, gives to us administrations of His grace to bring change to the status quo. Now this is, I know this sounds really big and everything, but this is so practical. It's, for example, you have a stronghold of fear in your life. You have a fear of the future. And because you have a fear of the future that Satan has, uh, through situations in your life, embedded in your heart over maybe some traumatic events or some words spoken over you, but it sits over you and it guides you so much so that even thinking about the future terrifies you and what it does is it paralyzes you from making any decision possible. Because I have a fear of making a mistake, I, I fear the future or whatever. So what Jesus does is he gives you an administration of grace and he says, okay, Bob, this isn't my will for your life. I want you to walk in freedom because God hasn't given you a spirit of fear but of power, love, and a sound mind. So I'm going to give you a portion of my supernatural ability that you will learn to walk in that will walk you out of the fear that has kept you and will bring you into the ability to walk in the freedom of my will for your life. Therefore, my future I've determined and spoken over you will be able to be walked out because you are going to administrate the grace given you. How do we administrate grace? Well, we receive it and we walk in it. You know, you can receive grace in vain. Don't receive grace in vain. It's in Corinthians. And it's basically like, okay, the Lord's moving upon you, and we all do this, but the Lord's moving upon you and he says, okay, I want you to go ahead and get that college degree. Send in the application for college. Take that step of faith, and you're like, whoa, that's terrifying, Lord. I, I, I can't do that. And the Lord says, I want you. I want you to print off the application. And you have to make a choice to administrate the grace of what the Lord's doing you and begin to move in the direction of where he's heading you. I'm talking very practical right now. And print off the application so that you can at least fill it out and move in that direction. Okay? And that can be in any ways. It could be maybe in your marriage. Uh, I want you to buy flowers for your wife. Or I want you to choose today when your husband comes home to start the conversation with uh, gratitude. And, and try to set aside your weariness from dealing with the children. Or... You're bringing home from work. I'm just, I don't know. I'm not trying to be sexist or anything. I'm just trying to throw out a broad range of examples, whatever they are. Administrating the grace is when the Lord speaks to you in that small voice, you choosing to not ignore it or not disagree or not push it off, but, but say, okay, Lord, I don't know how to do that, but I receive your grace to be able to walk in that right now, Lord. I surrender to your will. I receive the grace, and I choose to agree with you and move in the direction by faith. 
That's administrating grace. So as a disruptor, Jesus gives you an administration of grace to change the status quo. That first status quo begins in your own life. Are you going to continue in the direction as if you got saved and you know about Jesus, but nothing changes in your life? Or are you going to receive the grace of God in these areas as he leads you over time? This is a, this is a marathon over a number of years, not all at once. Okay, And over time as he's leading you, will you receive the grace and, 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 and put it into action and begin to disrupt the status quo in your life to bring the change and the glory of Jesus, the testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit... Spirit of prophecy, the Lord says you will not be subject to fear. You take that into your heart. Fear of the future has, been, has bound me. I'm receiving the testimony of Jesus that Jesus sets me free. I receive the grace I begin to walk in. And for you know it, over time you are literally testifying. I used to be bound by fear, but now I'm doing X, Y, and Z because Jesus set me free. The gospel isn't just words on a page. The gospel is true to life, life change, disruption to the status quo, and liberty in the name of Jesus. That is the truth of the gospel. This is the Kairos moment right now for each and every one of you. Jesus says today, I am disrupting your life today, and it's good. The things that held you back, I am breaking you free. I am speaking to you what I say over you, not what the enemy has implanted in your life. Disruption sounds so hard. It's such a hard word, but it's actually so good. It's like a, Jesus is like a bold and loving disruptor. It isn't like, hey, whack, what am I telling you? It's not that at all. It's this still, small voice that just speaks it to you. You got this. You can do this. Come on. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Keep your eyes on me. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Okay, one more step. Don't look down. Just keep moving forward. And before you know it, you're strong. And he's like, you got this. Now help them. Reach back and grab the person behind you. Testify them of my faithfulness because they're afraid. Disrupting the status quo. It begins by repentance, back in Mark. Go back to Mark. Getting a little hoarse. I've got this memorized. I don't know why I'm going there. It just feels more real, I guess, when I'm there. Mark 1.15. The time is fulfilled. This is a Kairos moment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. You know, I was meditating on this, and I was like, Lord, why did you say through Mark, repent and believe? Because, you know, nothing is, nothing is just added in there for fluff. Why? And he said, well, because it's a two-step process. It's two steps, and you've got to walk in both of them to get the full benefit of it. And uh, there are people who stop on the first step, and there's people who only do the second step. And it hinders their growth and hinders the change in my working in their life because of this. So I want to talk about that. The first step, or the first one that's mentioned there, is repent. Repentance is so important because repentance is seeing the wrong of your actions or the wrongness of sin, the wrongness of the idol, 
the wrongness of the self whatever. That's what repentance is, is seeing that and going, wow, that's wrong. Wow, the way I treated that person is not right. Wow, that belief about myself is wrong. Wow, that belief about God is wrong. Wow, this evil that I see in my heart is wrong. This lust that I find in my heart is wrong. This greed and covetousness in my heart is wrong. The strife, why am I always angry? It's wrong, okay? Repentance starts with seeing the sin and saying, this is wrong. I want to change. Repentance is Proverbs 3, 5, in all your ways acknowledge him. That's the first step of repentance. That's the first step of disruption of your life is seeing Jesus and noticing the difference between you and him. But we can't just stay there because if we stay just in that part where there's no believing, if we stay only in repentance, then we build this whole place where uh, our hearts are never changed. We're just bad. There's no hope. There's no disruption. It's just condemnation or religious system. It's just dead. Yeah, you're bad and you see you're bad and the world's bad and everything's bad. But there isn't that change that comes from believing. Jesus didn't just leave you with repentance. You've got to have repentance to walk in the health of believing. But you've got to go on from repentance to believing. Repent and believe. This may be one that you have to meditate on for the Lord to sink it down in your heart so that it sinks and you can grab a hold of it. Repenting is leaving the agreement with the flesh, with your soul, or with demonic. Repentance is leaving that agreement. Flesh, you want me to go in this direction, but I choose not to agree with you. I choose to agree with Jesus. Soul, you want me to think this way, but I am renewing my mind. Repentance, I am choosing to renew my mind and think the correct way. Demonic, you are tempting me to go in a direction contrary to Jesus. I'm repenting of any agreement with you, and I am turning, and I am going to align and agree with Jesus. Quick example. So when I was a kid, uh, I, I was like number six of seven, and I really liked when people paid attention to me because I was, wasn't paid attention to a lot, being number six. And so I developed this, this fantasy thing of when people feel sorry for you, it's good. And it's like a victim mentality, and it, I can remember as a young teen and thinking through this and like fantasized dreaming about bad things happening to me so that people would feel sorry for me, and therefore I would get that attention, I'd get that love met that I was looking for. So one of the things was I was going to die young. 
it's good to die young. And I even Christianized it when I first became a believer, and it was, I'm going to be martyred. I'm going to give my life as a martyr because the stupid thing, you know, when you're dead in, at your funeral, you don't care what anyone thinks above you. You understand what I mean? It's the craziness of the thought, but it was down deep in my heart. And the Lord began to speak to me about how unhealthy this was and how this was wrong. And so I had to first repent of this acknowledgement, this agreement, this uh, agree, legal agreement I had made with myself and with Satan about myself that he had the right to hurt me and maybe even to kill me young because that's what I wanted. Okay, I had to repent of that and begin to turn with that and change the thinking of my mind and renew myself what, with what the Lord says about life and that life is good and, 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 and things like that. So it was this whole process over a set of years of changing, of repenting. But then there was also the side of believing, of going, okay, I'm going to live long. I'm going to see my grandkids. Now I'm up to my great-grandkids. I'm not going to die by the time before I reach 50. I'm not going to. And I had to confess myself, not only re repenting and leaving, but also believing and standing. Whenever the feeling would come, I'd go, uh-uh, we're not going there. And I think you've heard me preach it before where I have said, I've gotten to the point where I said, Jesus, you write my story and nothing else. Satan does not dictate my comings or my goings. You do, Lord Jesus. So no man can take out my life early. I cannot take out my life early. I cannot wish for or think for or do these things because it's your story, not mine. And I began to believe this. It sunk deep in my heart, and then I could speak and preach with authority about it. So when I turned 50, it was a celebration. It was like, ha, showed you Satan. Jesus is bigger than you. Because you said I was going to die. I would never reach 50. I'm 52 now. So each day after this is just a, oh, Jesus, another day. Thank you, Jesus. That's what I mean by repent and believe. If all you do is it's just the repentance, you stay in this state of non-change. It's just condemnation and guilt and shame and just this stuff that sits on you. This terrible pot of knowing you're bad but not moving into what Jesus has for you. It's the Kairos moment. If you repent and you don't, really your only options and don't believe, if you can't move into believing, your really only options are you become a rule unto yourself. It's some type of self-righteousness. You become a rule unto yourself. Nobody can tell me I'm wrong because I know I'm wrong and no one can help me. And you just kind of build this wall around you where you can't hear anything. Or you... Delve, you throw yourself wholeheartedly into some kind of religious system in hopes that that religious system will bring the change of heart. But outside influence never change hearts. All they do is change actions by getting you in deeper, deeper bondage. Jesus changes the heart which liberates and changes the direction. It changes the status quo. It's a disruptor. Jesus is an influencer. Jesus is a disruptor. Let me say that again to you. 
Jesus isn't an influencer. Like, wow, Jesus, that was really cool. I think I'll model that. No, Jesus is a disruptor. He gets in there and changes your heart. You say, Jesus, this is so evil. Create in me a clean heart, Jesus. And he changes your heart and tells you to respond. And you begin to respond. And you change. You're not just influenced from the outside. And I'm sorry if I'm preaching too loud this morning. This is a Kairos moment. Guys, if you didn't notice, the name of our church is Kairos. There's a reason. This is a Kairos moment for you to take that repentance and not just see the wrongness of your sin, but begin to see the rightness of Jesus. I don't know if rightness is really a word, but it fits. When you believe, and this is, let me, let me just cover this because this is important. I run into people sometimes who have a lot of belief, but very little repentance. And that's the flip side of this. You can have people who have a lot of repentance, but very little belief. And there's, there are people who go to church who have a lot of belief, but very little repentance. Oh yeah, Jesus, me and him got this thing. Or they remain babes in Christ. They never grow. Because if it gets uncomfortable, uh, you know what, I'm going to go to a different church because you're just uncomfortable. This is disruptive and I'm about peace. Jesus loves me. Yes, he does. He loves you enough to disrupt and set you free. You don't go to somebody in prison and go, you know what, I just love you. You have fun there in that cell. I got the key, but I'm not going to let you out. I'm just going to leave you there. Enjoy yourself. No, you open the door and you say, come on out, bro. Come on. You're free. Woo. The problem when, um, when we allow the forgiveness of Jesus to come into our heart, but uh, it, there's no repentance... Then we get into this self-deception of uh, what I would, it's what Paul refers to in, in Romans 6, where we use grace as an excuse for sin. Well, God understands. and I don't have to change because he's forgiven me. Now, God isn't sitting there just waiting to squish down the balance of this message. God isn't just waiting just to squish you down. Yes, they're, they're, God works with you. He's begun a work, and he will finish a work. But if there's an area where he needs to show you the, the pr depravity of your heart, he'll show it to you. And you need to let him, as you're believing in his goodness and his grace, believe also and receive the repentance from the depravity of your heart. Because then you can actually change. It takes both of them to bring about the change in the heart. Jesus is good. When you, repent, you, <clears throat> when you repent, you leave agreement with the flesh, the soul, or the demonic. When you believe, you align your heart correctly. You align your flesh correctly. You align your soul correctly with Jesus. And Jesus is the model. And I don't sit there and go, well, I don't know if I, I wouldn't do it that way. Well, I'm not Jesus. 
I'm not going to judge you for whether or not you do a season or you eat the meat or don't eat the meat or celebrate that holiday or don't celebrate that holiday. And this is, I think it's in, what is it, Corinthians, where he says this to the church? Maybe when one of the uh, other books, the epistles. Jacob, I need you, man. You pretty sure what? Pretty sure? It's Corinthians, okay. So I don't judge you for these things. I let Jesus deal with you, and I preach about Jesus. And I call you into repentance and belief so that there is the disruption from the status quo, and you come into all that Jesus has for you. Don't be satisfied without Jesus. Don't be satisfied without repenting. Don't be satisfied without believing. Don't be satisfied with the status quo. Go, Jesus. Early this morning, I was having a conversation with Jesus about a status quo in my life that I'm like, you know what? It's okay, but I don't like it. Is there? I need to see you because I know it's not your best for me, Lord. So will you give me the revelation that I'm lacking? Let me see it in the way that you see it so that I can repent and have the real change in my life. And then so that I can believe and walk in. And just so that you know, so you're not worried, I'm talking about eating because I'm chubby. I'm talking about my relationship with food. Because I feel like, man, I shouldn't be 260 pounds. I should be healthier. So I've got to have something off in me, stress, cortisol, all of that stuff. There's something that I'm not thinking right. I'm not seeing correct. So Jesus, whatever it is, help me to see. And if I need to repent, help. I want to repent. I want to leave it behind. I want to make the changes so that I come to believe and walk in it. That's the stuff I'm talking about. It's very practical, guys. It's not super spiritual. It's just real practical. Jesus just loves you. Man, loves spending time with you. Loves talking about the status quo in your life and saying, you know, what? Do you remember this when this happened? This is when you were a kid. I really want to get into that area. And you're like, ooh, I don't know if I'm ready for that, Lord. And he says, I know. I know you're not. But there's a Kairos moment coming when I'm going to be able to speak to you and you're going to hear. And it's just going to be like, it's going to bring the disruption. Freedom. Then you get the testimony of Jesus out there testifying. Come on. It's fun to testify. Oh, yeah, I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. But you know what? I was just like you, and Jesus completely changed my heart. You know, that testimony. I was full of fear. I was sexually abused as a kid. I was full of rejection. I rejected, this, this is all real stuff, by the way. I rejected people so that they wouldn't have a chance to reject me. I boxed myself in to make sure to protect my heart because my heart was already wounded. I was full of fear. Didn't trust the Lord that He actually saw me and protect and, and could take care of me. You know, lots of things there. And Jesus has so faithfully, oh man, so faithfully walked me out of these things. Disrupted my status quo. Thank God. Oh man, you don't know how often I'm just like, Jesus... Thank you, man, because I get slight remembrance of what it was like living in that hell. I thank you didn't leave me there, Lord. You called me and let me see, and then I had to deal with it. There was repentance that took place. Man, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, 
like the time I was 30 years old and we were having an all-nations thing and it was time to confess uh, the areas of struggle in your life and I had to come clean in front of all of these people I did not know. It was terrifying because what if they all reject me? But man, I, I repented, came real, and then I could believe and begin to walk out of it and see the help. Okay? I think I've preached enough. Mm. Jesus, thank you for the work that you began in our life and that you said that you are faithful to complete it. So, Lord, we trust in your faithfulness to lead us and direct us, Father, as you disrupt the status quo in our lives, Lord. Leading us to repentance and to believing in your good news, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for it, Lord. All that you do, your beautiful work, we pray in your blessed name. Amen.